You should say more things in Chinese. <laughs> Can you say this is deep talk? No. Can you figure out how to say it? This is I think an unacknowledged fear controls us a lot more than we think it does. Until I bring it out in the open, our thoughts have a way of influencing our feelings than when we vocalize those thoughts and those fears. For example, mm -hmm. I'm terrified of bears. It's very unlikely for a human to get consumed by one, but I'm not going to care about the statistical unlikeliness of getting eaten by a bear when I'm halfway down a bear's throat. <laughs> but the more that I talk about it, the very little time that I actually spend near a population of bears, the more I realize how silly of a fear it is. My fear is I'm just terrified of bugs. And yesterday there was one that was extremely fast and quick and jolting. And it went under our bed, dude. Under our bed. Oh. And um, we were both like, you know, crippled in fear. So we had to like take the bed apart, pull everything out of the room, <laughs> all the stuff underneath the bed. And we finally found it and killed it. And I just don't think, I don't ever foresee you know, from the origin of that fear, from where we are now, and how it's always been, I don't ever foresee that changing. <laughs> Have you heard the statistic that at any point in time, you're within a few feet from a spider? Yeah. How does that make you feel? It used to bother me, but now, if I don't see it, I, I, I found a homeostasis point, you know? Homeostasis, what is that? Like the point of origin, you know, like a, a calming point where it doesn't really bother me as much. It's hard to imagine when you're afraid of something that you could be not afraid of it. But I guess if you're afraid of stink bugs, then you move to a place where there's always stink bugs. Maybe you would slowly become accustomed to it. So is your advice to move into the Smoky Mountains to deal with my bear fears? That space between... Getting mauled by a grizzly bear and never stepping foot in the Smoky Mountains, that space is where the most development occurs, where you challenge yourself to, you know, be aware of your fear and overcome them. Everybody around me loves to hike. Mm -hmm. And so that's where this becomes debilitating. <laughs> where I'm like, I want to be with you people, but you don't understand what's out there. There is a thing that can eat you. Do you know how many enemies humans have at this point in time with all of our technological advancements? Bears are still on the top of the food chain when it comes to you and it, and we are willingly walking into its territory, the prime rib that we are to it. We're just drenching ourselves in A1 sauce, just saying, please, just do it. Take me. Maybe so, but also every day you go out and you drive, you're taking a risk. So many more people die in a vehicle mm -hmm. than get eaten by a bear. It's not even close. It's a mm -hmm. thousand times more likely. It's 10,000 times more likely. I don't know. That doesn't cross my mind at all, the fear of dying in a fiery car crash. 
Can you pinpoint a part of your personality that's really valuable to you? Yes, I'm very aware of my emotions and how I feel and acting on that like immediately. And that's very much because of Oprah. (laughs) 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 So there you go. What about you? When I was young, my mother was always impressed with me and my siblings when we could memorize a quote from a movie that was super long. For me, I think that was the birth of my obsession with language. It has the capacity to guide people towards your message. If you're able to translate the thoughts in your head that have nothing to do with words and get somewhat close to what you felt inside your head, then that's a superpower. And I'm nowhere near being great at utilizing that, but it's very, very important to me that I I strive for that. And I attribute that to my mother's acknowledgement of my capacity to remember quotes. You are changing every, every second. So when you understand these critical changes and the source of those changes, this being your mom, it, I think it helps you appreciate the process and who you're becoming and where you're going and just have an overall level of gratitude of what has shaped you. Gratitude. I'm a very ungrateful person. I don't know what it is about wanting to be self-made, but it's very hard for me to attribute my progression to somebody else's influence. Why is that? Pride? Oh, I think I know what it is. There was a defect that came from that same pride that my mom had in Mm -hmm. my siblings and my capacity to remember. And that was the competition that it generated between us. So when one of us was quoting a show or something, the other might scrutinize the veracity of the phrase. Is it spot on? (laughs) Did you use the right word? Did you say things out of order? And we would um, judge each other super harshly based on the accuracy of the quote. I had somebody examining everything I was saying, and I was that to my sibling. So alongside the satisfaction of being able to say something well, there was this thing of like, oh, I said it better than you would have. <laughs> Which is so funny. It's it's just an inherent part of, of siblings, that rivalry, I think. There's a desire to please one's parent and to get that good job In our minds, that resource is a limited one, like food, the willingness for a parent to praise their child. But it's pretty much up to the parent on how much of a supply they have for praise. But nevertheless, you know, we we viewed that as a limited resource. And so we competed for praise. Mm. And that's where that pride comes from. And the unfortunate association that quoting things and, and saying things well has with the value I I see in myself. Think about like literally the shirt you're wearing, you know, (laughs) there's someone in Indonesia who made that shirt or the gasoline in your car. It came from Saudi Arabia, you know, like without each of these individuals 
each wanting to be the highest version of themselves, each shaped by their own experiences and the people around them. Like, I would not be where I am. I take pride in that. There's such an interconnected nature among humanity. I find it difficult to feel that worldwide interdependence. The distance between me and that man in Indonesia is so great that I don't feel his contribution. And so even though we are all connected, rarely do I ever actually feel that relationship to these people that I've never met. Would you say you do? A hundred percent. For me, it kind of really happened when I spent, you know, like four months in China. Mm. Because I was so comfortable, and I, I know it doesn't require that, but I was so comfortable in who I was before. But the fact was I had never thought about it much until people started asking me questions about where I was from, who I am, my identity, and I couldn't answer them. And that's sort of when the doors open in my mind. Do you speak a second language? What is that? I speak a little Chinese. What'd you say? I speak a little Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) You should say more things in Chinese. Can you say this is deep talk in Chinese? No. Can you figure out how to say it? (laughs) Yeah, give me a second. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's my guess. When I was in um, like high school, middle school, I used to think like, oh, I'm never going to be like my parents. Like, mm. Never. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> and I still think that in many respects. And for sure. I know it's true in many respects. But in order for that to not manifest and for you not to take on all those traits and all those habits and obesity or diabetes or unhealthy relationships or you know, never vacationing or poverty or whatever those traits are that you don't want to emulate, you need to first understand them because those are what influenced you the first 18 years. I mean, easily those are ingrained in your nature. It's amazing how different each relationship is. Looking at all my friends' parents, those dynamics were just totally across the board. But I I never thought about how those dynamics impacted the personality of the kid they were raising. There's someone I'm thinking about now that I bet you, like when I think about their parents and like how they were when I was around versus how the kid acted, it tells me that that's not how they were when I wasn't around. Like I just know because they were guests in the house. Mm, That's tough. It doesn't mean they were, like, physically abusive, but... Yeah, but but you feel inclined to put on a show. And if you feel inclined to act differently with guests than you do by yourself, there must be some form of guilt. You must feel like the core of who I am is not good enough. What a burden. I think for somebody who doesn't have that line of communication with their parents, that, that might be mm-hmm. a really daunting task to go up to their their mom or dad and be like what were your parents like you know what was your childhood like Mm. and i don't think the question in itself is a difficult one but in a lot of relationships between a parent and a kid it's it's a lot shallower than that 
And that question has never been asked before. So even though it's not a difficult one, it's it's an uncommon one. I was once uh, asking my mom's mom questions about her childhood and her life because I had never done that before. And she was sort of like, she answered a couple and then she was like, okay, why are you asking these? Like, are you trying to find something out? You, you know, like, what's your point You're here? trying to get her login then, info for her bank account with the security questions. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm just curious. What I'm was just, the name you know, of your childhood dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was really curious about this specificity. Like, there's a whole life there. And then, you know, a few weeks went by, then my mom and my uncle came to me and they said you know your grandmother was she came to us saying you're asking her a bunch of questions <laughs> so then she reported me to you know anyways they were that it, it, it concerned could be very, yes <laughs> that's incredible but that's how awkward that dynamic can be it's that foreign a conversation where it's like are you trying to rob me <laughs> i'm not telling you the name of my fifth grade principle (laughs) there's this path that was paved by blood and by love and you sit somewhere in between that you know the destruction and the peace do you feel a responsibility to like do something with that life in how much it took to get you here do you feel that weight? i feel guided and influenced by so many people so I, you know, on some level, like the majority of who I am, maybe like 80%, 70% is because of others' influence or others' direction or generosity. But I still think that, you know, like 30, 20% is me wanting to fulfill my own image of myself, you know, like become the best version of myself, because I think that's doing justice for my ancestors. Like that's mm. what you're supposed to do is... But I don't feel like a weight of, you know, some expectation. That was not the answer I was expecting. So do you feel weight, responsibility? I don't know. I've never thought about it. Um, When it comes to war, you're not serving your own passions. The men in power that create that message, you take that on and serve that message as your own purpose. And you kind of forsake whatever individuality you might have had to an extent. What a beautiful notion that you and I, where we're at because of their willingness to give up their own aspirations for another cause, just or not, it's given us the opportunity to find our own purpose outside of an organization. There is truly something valuable about being in a position to discover your own unique purpose.